God is good. And all the time, let's give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we have been in the book of James for some time. And we have brought out a lot of things out of there, but we didn't cover everything. I mean, I could turn around and start back over and go again, and with still plenty more that um, uh, that we we didn't get. But um, as we've been studying about um, principles of practical Christianity. Uh, and really what it means to live the life of, of, of Christ. Uh, and um, we covered a lot in doing that. We uh, talked about being hearers of the, uh, not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Um, we talked about uh, how that we should uh, listen twice as much as we speak because God gave us two ears but only one mouth talked about that uh, wagging tongue that so many of us trip over, you know, and many things we talked about, and um, last week we we got into the first part of the lesson, and I, I thought I could finish everything last week, but it, it didn't take me very long, and I realized we weren't going to be able to cover everything, and by the way, I'm uh, welcome those that are watching tonight by means of the uh, the live stream. Apologize to you. We've been um, having some difficulties, technical issues, and I'm a praying and you help us pray that um, all that's ironed out so everybody can hear everything clear tonight, uh, and uh, that that will. Um, so everyone can benefit from that. We appreciate those that are here. Um, last week, we, uh, uh, in our lesson, we talked about God's plan uh, for our well-being, overall well-being, and that God desires for us, uh, you know, as one scripture says, to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I told you last week that if you'll know that man is a three-part being. You are body, soul, and spirit. And God's concerned about every aspect of your being. Uh, the most important being uh, uh, that part of you that's going to live forever somewhere. Uh, sometimes we worry more about the body than we do anything else. That body is going to die. It's going to go back to dust. But the real you is going to spend eternity forever somewhere. And there's only two options. Amen. There's not a third. Amen. So we need to be especially uh, uh, pointed about our spiritual man. And we begin to talk about prayer last week and the benefits of prayer and we read the scriptures that we used and in James the fifth chapter uh, that if it, he said if there's any among you that um, is afflicted let him pray 
and we talked about God's divine order, uh, sometimes we get kind of haphazard in what we do. Uh, people mean well, but then they don't follow it by the, the exact divine order. Then they wonder why everything don't work out. Now, let me give you an example. King David, when he became he became the king, uh, the ark, which was represented the presence of God, was not in Jerusalem. It had been stolen back when, back in Saul's time, uh, and Saul, I mean, well, before Saul, really, and the Bible said he never sought after it. He never did try to get it. And he had good intentions. They went down and they picked up the ark and they put it on a new cart. Naturally, they thought, well, you know, uh, this is the presence of God, this, this ark here. And, um, you know, it'll please God and we'll just uh, go all out and build this new car to put it on. Their intentions were good. Amen. Their intentions was good. But a man lost his life. Because when that ox cart shook, um, uh, Uriah reached up to put his hands on him. And God struck him dead. See, the order of God was there was only one way that the ark had to be transported. And that was on the shoulders of the Levites. Amen. And David finally admitted when he went back the second time, he said, at the first time, we didn't do it in the right order. So, when you're going, we found out last week, when you're going through trouble and hardship and hard times, the Bible said, is any among you afflicted? He didn't say for you to have somebody else to pray for you, but whoever's afflicted, let him pray. The one going, going through the hardship and the struggle, the hard times, you need to pray and seek the Lord. Then he said, if anybody is sick, the one who is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them uh, anoint with oil the sick person and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. There again, a lot of times we get out of order there, but I want to reiterate this, especially over the uh, airway tonight because uh, I know everything didn't come clean but there's only one group of people has the right and the authority of God to anoint somebody with oil and the Bible said it's the elders the elders of the church the elders are the spiritual leadership in the church amen your deacons your teachers and uh, uh, anyone who's in uh, spiritual leadership, they're the ones. Now, everybody can pray. It's all right to have the congregation come up and back up 
uh, uh, the elders in prayer, but the anointing of the oil is only supposed to be by the elders. Amen. That That's what James tells us. You know, let the, um, anointed with oil, uh, the elders, in the name of the Lord, and then the Lord would do do the work. Um, so we were talking about prayer, and um, I'm going to finish this out tonight. And the title of this, this part of the lesson I'm going to call The Power of a Praying Church. The Power of a Praying Church. James chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 15 um, through 18. And the prayer of faith shall say the sick. Now this picture right up there with um, the elders and not with all. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. We talked about that last week. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hallelujah. Elias, or we're talking about Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Elijah, Brother Paul, was no Superman. He wasn't Spider-Man or Batman. He was just an ordinary man, just like me and you. But yet, this ordinary man prayed to God that it not, not rain. And God shut up the heavens. Then after three and a half years, he prayed again for it to rain. The heavens open back up again. The Bible says God's no respect of person. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I don't know how many here may have saw it, but a few years back, and ever so often things has a habit of coming back uh, on the, uh, social media, but I remember watching a video clip one time of somebody standing in their yard with their hands stretched out and they were praying in tongues and right there at them was a twister coming right at them. And they began to pray and the path of that twister was turned. This person doing the praying wasn't an apostle. They wasn't a prophet. They was just they 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 stood their ground in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, "If you got faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed." Hallelujah. We we don't we take for granted, folks, the power that's in prayer. Can somebody say Amen? Yes. Now I want to talk about though tonight. The power of praying church. 
And I'm going to use our assembly as an example because there are a few things that the Lord's been dealing with me on. And people that's been a part of our church for a while, if you think back, you can remember when this church was, was doing the best spiritually and growing the most and everything else. Those times was when the church as a whole was really praying, fasting, and seeking God. And, you know, all of us have got things in our life that we know we should do, but we just don't get around to do it. Now, I know that if I would uh, put a little more effort in exercising and maybe doing some walking or something, it would help. It would help. It would help my diabetes. It would help my cholesterol level. But, and I, I, I think about it, and I say I ought to do this, I know I need to do this, but when you get so involved in everyday life and your day begins at 3.30 in the morning, and you got all these responsibilities, and it's, it's 5 o'clock when you step up off of that school bus in the afternoon, there ain't much left in this old fella to go out here and walk a mile or two. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm, we, I, I'm weak that way in the flesh. I know I should do it. But we all have things we know we ought to do that we don't do. And I said that to say this. For the church... Prayer is one of those things. The most powerful and successful churches in America are the ones that are praying churches. Now, when you look at the early church, some marvelous and great things occurred when all the members of the church got in one accord and prayed. For when that church prayed, an earthquake shook the building. When that church prayed, all believers was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the early church now. When that church prayed, they began to speak boldly in the name of Jesus, even under threat of prison. When that church prayed, the church had great power and great grace was upon every member of the body. Listen to to me real close. Everybody listen to this real close. I think we all want to be a part of a church that's got the power of God. Amen. That you can see people healed when they come up and they, and they want prayer and they're sick. We want what happened last Sunday morning right over here when Amber got filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't want, we, we don't want that to just to be a once or twice a year thing. I hope you don't. 
I want, I want in every service, if there's anybody who don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want them to be able to come down and I want them to begin to seek God for it and God fill them. But I'm going to tell you, you may be pretty, but God ain't going to pour out His Spirit on you just because you look pretty. God may be looking down at you and say, hey, you may think you're pretty, but I'm the one who created you. I'm the one with a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Listen, so listen to me. In order for the church to be an exhibition of God's power on this earth, we must become a fortress of prayer. And please, all CFC members that are maybe not here tonight and you're watching by, uh, uh, by home, at home, please get a hold of that. If you want to see the power of God exhibited in our services, if you want our service to be an exhibition of God's power on this earth, then you've got to be a part of making this church a fortress of prayer. Amen. The power of God operates through a praying church. Signs and wonders, salvation and healing, praise and adoration all take place within the context of a praying church. I can tell you where the miracles are happening. I can tell you where salvation is taking place. I can tell you where people are being healed. It's not in the sleepy head hung, amen, uh, 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 church where people don't take the time to pray. Hallelujah. Glory. We can either pray, believe, and receive, or we can pray, doubt, and do without. Hello, somebody. But God's power operates in and through a praying church. I cannot overemphasize that. Let me tell you a story. This is true. There's a church in Seoul, Korea that has been marvelously blessed by God. It's listed as one of the biggest churches in the world. The pastor of that church only teaches on two things. Now, you'd probably get bored if you come here, service in, service out, and um, the pastor just talks on the same one or two things all the time. You be sitting back there. If I just preached on the same one or two things all the time, I know what Brother Paul would be doing. He said that he said that boy can not only fix a tar right, he can't he he, he can't even preach on them but one or two things. Glory. But this church is so big. The pastor of that church teaches only two things. 
guess what two things they are? No, brother, it's not tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. The two things, the two things that he teaches is prayer and witnessing. Anytime you go hear him preach, he's going to be preaching one or the other. Prayer or witnessing. Listen to this. Every Sunday, their house, church house, is packed. Lord mercy, we can't get people at 10 o'clock. Hello, somebody. Would you believe, and as uh, I'll tell it the way Wendy Magwell told it when he told the story about the snakes. He said, well, Wendy said, this is the truth I tell you with my hand up. Every Sunday, the church house is packed from 6 in the morning to after 12 midnight. (laughs) 6 in the morning to after midnight. They have continuous service to meet the needs of the parishioners. Now, the same ones ain't there that whole time. But they're constantly having one service and ending it and start. Uh, they'll close long enough to have one shift leave and then the others come in. And that goes on all day long. Continuous service to meet the needs of all the parishioners. There is standing room only in every service. Often the pastor has to ask something. I don't, man, I don't know what I'd do if this was me. The pastor has to ask some of the membership to stay home one Sunday a month so others can come in and have a seat. Lord of mercy. I would just fall over dead right there and there. Uh, you just stay home, Sister Cassie, next Sunday because I need somebody else that's, that's been dying to have a seat in the church to get here. Think about that now. And what makes this possible for that church it's not because they got the best pastor in the world or the best this or that. That church is known worldwide as a praying church. He emphasizes prayer and witnessing above all else. Now that's a powerful testimony to what God can do through a church that prays and witnesses. God can fill up any house. That's no problem with God. However, the problem lies with us and not with God. Hallelujah. I've got to move on. What is the pattern of the early church? The pattern we find in the early church is that they prayed and prayed often. 
Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, we find where Peter was arrested. He was put in jail. And, and the old king had plans on having him killed after, uh, after Passover's. But Acts 12 and 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And I, I searched this down, folks. I'm sorry, but this prayer was made without ceasing does not agree with the Greek word where the Bible tells you to pray without ceasing. This right here meant they called a prayer meeting and didn't nobody go home. Didn't nobody say, hey, I, I got beans cooking back at the house. Didn't nobody say, hey, I got, a, I got a chicken roasting in the oven. When I heard about Peter being locked up and he's fixing to be killed, they came together for a prayer meeting and they didn't leave. This was the early church. This was the early church. It's time for the church in this day to have a new emphasis on prayer. It's time for us to enter the spirit of corporate prayer. Now, it's important that you and I have our own personal prayer time. But we desperately need a corporate prayer. I told you about the best times in this church. when this church was praying like it was praying. We had a, a power team, a power, uh, prayer team. Once a month, we come together just to pray. Amen. When we first started that, uh, I mean, had a good crowd. We first started it when we was Having to meet over at FAC, we went over. We met for that prayer, um, uh, prayer time, and uh, had uh, men in one room and, and ladies in the other room. And I can remember many, many times we get together, Brother Paul. You know, you was you was one of the ones faithful uh, in it, and also Brother Douglas here. Amen. We would have, we'd have 15, 16 men. I mean, that, the room that we had to use over there, chairs was lined up all the way around the wall. We didn't hardly have room. And, but as time went on, it dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. When it fin we, finally, we finally gave in, it was, you, you knew the, the same one or two that was going to be here. Amen. It all depends on how much of God we want to see in our midst. It all depends on how many of your loved ones you really want saved. It all depends on how much you want to see revival in the house of God. Amen. I might be getting tight on this, but I can't help it. It's right. I'm more, I'm, we've been teaching about practical Christianity all through the book of James, and you don't get no more practical than praying. We need a personal, individual prayer time, but we got to have the corporate prayer. 
we got to rediscover the prayer meeting, folks. Just as individuals are to pray, we are to pray as a church body. Hallelujah. And the church as a whole has not been doing that lately. We have been gathering, but we haven't been praying. I want to give you a few points here, and I'm, I'm trying to uh, finish my lesson up. And it'd be good for you to jot this down. And then give you a second to get you a piece of paper. If you've got something to write with, and write these points down. I want to tell you what a praying church is. Number one, a praying church is a revived church. A praying church is a revived church. Prayer, after you break the barrier, will ignite the soul with fresh fire like nothing else can. Oh, hallelujah. The problem is praying long enough and intense enough to break the prayer of the barrier of prayer. The old saints called this praying through. These modern Pentecostal church today, you want to mention praying through? Oh, uh, what are you talking about? Hallelujah. And we got some folks with so much spiritual cobwebs all over their nose and toes. They hadn't prayed through in 40 years. Hallelujah. If you wants to ever pray through to the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, you would surprise the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost would say, who are you? Have we met? Oh, oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. If you wants to get down on your knees and pray through to the Holy Ghost right now, would the Holy Ghost know who you are? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. When someone is filled with the Holy Ghost, it's because they broke through. Last Sunday, when this young lady got filled with the Holy Ghost, she broke through. She broke through. When someone is healed by the power of God, it's because someone broke through. When a deliverance occurred, chains are destroyed and broken because somebody breaks through. And when the church unites to break through in prayer, a revival breaks out. So a praying church is a revived church. Number two, a praying church is a worshiping church. Really, real worship comes from the heart. It don't come from the lips. And I've said, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it to my dying day. You can tell what kind of relationship somebody has with God by the way they worship. A praying church is a worshiping church. There is far too much manufactured stuff in the church today which passes for worship. We have done got so programmed and so professional-minded do you know the average saint in a lot of churches, Brother, Brother Kyle, would love to be able to get up on stage and do something for the Lord, but in a lot of churches, they done got, they done got so showbiz-minded. They said, well, we'll wait and set you up an a interview where you, uh, where you can 
uh, what do they call it when you audition you? See if you sound good enough. Hello, somebody. So poor brother Joe that has a hard time carrying a note might not get to worship God in some of these churches. Because, hey, you know, this here ain't a platform no more. This is this, this right here is our stage. This out here is not a congregation. It's an audience. People come to be, be uh, entertained nowadays. Hello, somebody. Come on. Come on. Is pastor preaching now or what? Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'll admit, there have been several times in service down through the years, especially when I was trying, trying to play behind them and they had a hard time keeping their timing or, uh, or the notes or whatever and everything. I, I've had to, had to squint. But there ain't no way in the world I'm going to tell nobody who wants to do something for God they can't do it because they ain't good enough. It might not be sound good to the person sitting next to you, but it's beautiful in the sight of God. Church has got too proud. We need to put that old song back up. We need to start singing it. Well, they tore the old country church down, built the great big new church way uptown with a steeple so high it reaches to the sky, and pride has slipped in where love should have been. Oh, they don't no longer kneel and pray in the old-fashioned way, but they stand up there tall and proud. I'm going to tell you, brother, we need those old country churches back. I love what God has given us here. But if I had to go back to not to know one to read into what we what we did have to have the power of God, I'd rather have the power of God any day. Any day. Glory to God. Glory to God. This is a fact. If prayer and fasting has not proceeded the worship service, there will be no true meaningful worship in the service. Amen. The quality of a man's worship stems from the quality of his relationship with God through his prayer life. One other point. A praying church is a soul-winning church. There will nothing excite you to be a witness for the Lord than when you have a relationship with God through prayer. It does something deep down within you. Always remember this. The heartbeat of the church is evangelism. Without it, the church cannot survive. A church which lags in her prayer life will become complacent and stagnated in regard to making outreach her primary function. When the church prays, prayer sets the soul on fire for the lost. Hallelujah. So tonight, 
let's think about. Our praying, not just as individuals, what you do at home in your personal prayer life, but when we come together as a body, um, I talk about one church in another country, but right here in America, one of the biggest and best Pentecostal churches in this country. If I lived in that city, I'd probably be a member of it, whether or not I was uh, one of the pastoral staff or not. The power of God moves there all the time. Every year they baptize seven, eight, nine hundred people in Jesus' name every year. It's easy to hold your head. Oh, yeah, they compromise and they com. No, they don't compromise. They don't compromise. But let me tell you what they do. Sometimes I let folks down when I when I begin to think to myself, well, I'm. I can't, I can't require this or I can't require that because that would be a little bit too tough on somebody. But since 1972, that's the year Sister Darling and I got married. In 1972, this church started 24-hour-a-day constant prayer. It's not never stopped. Three hundred and sixty-five days in a year, even on holidays. Alexander, Louisiana. See, I don't know. I don't remember how many miles that is from here. But um, if we was to just jump in a in a car right now. Take off driving. And let's say we pull into Alexander at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. You can go over there to that church and uh, not, you'd, you'd have to knock on the door because that, they would be locked. But you'd have somebody open the door and you'd walk in to a prayer room of... 10, 15, 20, whatever people praying. And to be a member of that church, you got to agree, sign up to be on the prayer staff. They have shifts. You got one shift comes in and prays an hour or two, they leave. None comes in. The prayer continues. It goes on around the clock, around the clock. Somebody might say, what good is that? Well, I'd say seven or 800 people every year being baptized in Jesus' name is pretty good. 
we had done let we done let the gospel of grace ruin us for everything else. Because we think, oh man, I'm saved by grace, not my works. That's right. But I'm gonna tell you something. There's a lot of blessings of God you will not walk in and receive if you don't get up off your duff and do some work. Amen. Let's all stand together. We are finished with our study of James. We will begin next week on being rooted. We're going we're gonna to get off in some more good stuff for a while. Let's buy our heads and thank the Lord for this service. Father, we come tonight, we thank you.